Are you a Dragon Boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon-fiber Dragon Boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the Dragon Boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for listening in. On this episode, Gina McDonough joined us in the podcast studio to share her journey through breast cancer. Gina is a 10-year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed with stage 1 tubular carcinoma. She talked about her treatments, and she openly shared her struggles with depression following cancer. She also talked about self-medicating with alcohol and how she made the decision to get clean for her family. Take a listen into this episode. If you or anyone you know is struggling with addiction, please contact the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. H-E-L-P. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Gina. Gina is a 10-year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed at the age of 46. Thank you so much for coming into the studio and being here with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to share my story. Yeah. Well, we like to hear other people's stories uh, because we know that no story is the same. Uh, We all have the same diagnosis in terms of a breast cancer diagnosis, but all of our stories are different. So um, tell me a little bit about your diagnosis. You know, I already talked about you were 46, but how did you, um, you know, find, um, you know, if it was a lump, if it was discharge, like whatever, um, how did you find that? Actually, I was um, a very health conscious person at the time regarding my health. And I had gone in to get my mammogram and I got that call back that they wanted to take a second look at that time. Okay. And so they sent you for what would be considered potentially a diagnostic mammogram? Yes, and an ultrasound. And at that time, they diagnosed that they saw something and to come in and see my um, surgeon. Okay. So did they tell you at that point that it was breast cancer or was it the surgeon that had said? It was the surgeon. She said it's um, 90% positive that it is. And then they did the biopsy and that um, stated it was. And... I had several choices at that time. They wanted to do a lumpectomy, and I decided that i rather have my whole breast taken. Okay. And then I thought about it again, and I asked, you know, i rather have both removed. So I did a double mastectomy at that time. Okay. So tell me about the stage of the breast cancer and what kind of breast cancer it was, because we know that there are many different kinds of breast right. cancer. It was a tubular carcinoma, and it was stage one when they diagnosed me a T2 
and I had the type that we did the chemotherapy prior to my mastectomy because it was close to my chest wall and they wanted to shrink it. Okay. And so when you say tubular, what does that mean? That means that it's more tentacly than a actual lump. So if I would have waited and not gotten my mammogram, then it was possible it would have been a... Um, like a higher breath- stage. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's... There wasn't a lump. Like if you no. touched your breast, you wouldn't be able to feel a lump. She said that type of cancer, you don't feel it. So that's why it's so important that we do get our mammograms. Absolutely. And so, um, I mean, that really is the only way that they can find it is through a mammogram. Yes. Unless, you know, there's a little lump attached to it. But mine was at an early stage and more tenically. So the fibers, it mostly, they thought it possibly could have been dense breast tissue, but unfortunately that was not the case. Okay. And so is tubular, I mean, I, I, again, I know that there are many different kinds, but is that more of a rare kind of um, breast five cancer? Five or 10% okay. of the diagnosis Okay, is, breast, is that type of breast cancer. Okay. Yeah. Cause I usually hear it being, you know, ductal carcinoma. Yes. Um, so I kind of figured it might be a little more rare than um, the others. So, okay. So you did the, you did opt for the bilateral mastectomy. I did. Okay. And the prognosis so far was good and they highly recommended the chemotherapy radiation because of my age at the time. Okay. So you did the chemotherapy before you did the surgery. How many rounds of chemotherapy did you have? I did four rounds and it was a total of... 16 weeks, and then I did uh, six weeks of radiation, five days a week. So you did the, but the chemo was before the mastectomy and the radiation after, or did you do everything? Okay. Okay. Um, I know the sequencing can sometimes be different depending on, you know, whatever. I don't know exactly how that's all determined, Um, you know, but I guess it's probably like the size of the tumor, what kind of breast cancer it is, those kind of things. But um, so what were some of the side effects that you had from the chemotherapy? So I believe in, in the chemotherapy really damaged my joints and my bones. And unfortunately, my career was in fitness. And at that time, they suggested I get on the tamoxifen because it was estrogen positive, and I could not do that. I actually declined, so I have been blessed to still have um, clear of cancer. But once I felt I couldn't do the things that I used to do, I went into a heavy depression and self-medicated heavily with alcohol, and I love to share my story because I know I'm not alone, and if I can help yeah. someone else with that. Absolutely. Um, so the the chemo impacted the joints. Yes. And because you were then in physical fitness, I mean, obviously that is kind of a big deal um, with being able to teach and and train others. Correct. Correct. And so um, was there fear in terms of the tamoxifen kind of just magnifying? that difficulty or it did magnify it I was on it for a little bit and it's just um, made my normal not so normal anymore and I had chose to have more of a quality of life and continue somewhat on my fitness journey so with all of that and I'm sure all the women out there realize this too I had 
put on 20 pounds, and that put me into a deeper depression, which mm. I, again, self-medicated more with alcohol. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the big thing is is that not everybody responds the same way to medication, right? And so what one person might experience in terms of taking like tamoxifen or even the chemotherapy radiation, any of those treatments, our response is different. And so, you know, I, I totally get exactly what you're saying in terms of having a quality of life. Um, because, you know, for me personally, I had a, an experience with tamoxifen where, you know, I said, I'll do five years and then I'm done because it was taking away the quality of my life. Um, so I, you know, I certainly um, get that. Um, and then I definitely want to talk about um, the self-medication because I think that's an important part of it. And I think that's, um, like you said, there are people who are out there kind of going through the same thing. Uh, but before we talk about that, tell me, what did you opt for in terms of um, reconstruction? If you did reconstruction, uh, what was that decision? I did. I had the expanders. No, actually, I didn't put the expanders in. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. So I waited on that for one year, and then I put expanders in and put in the implants, um, but unfortunately, five years ago, the radiated side had dropped a little bit, so my breast, I had another surgery, and I had to do the lap flap okay. surgery, so yeah, it's been a real journey with that. Yeah, well, and that I had the same experience where uh, the radiation damaged one of my implants, and then I had to have the lap flap taken off um, and moved around. So, you know, in terms of somebody who's very much into physical fitness, has that impacted anything that you're able to do? Yes. It's a new normal for me, but I have learned to um, just do things differently, Okay, not as aggressive. And I now own my own fitness center, and I help women with breast cancer. I have a lot of breast cancer survivors that I work with because what we think we can't do, we can, but in a different level. Yeah. Well, and I love that because, you know, it's one of those things where when I did it, I didn't realize the impact that it would have on my body. And I was very much, um, you know, I certainly wasn't at the level of physical fitness that you are in terms of like teaching and doing a lot of that stuff. But I worked out all the time. You know, I was doing boxing, things like that. Push-ups, I could do 40 man push-ups. And, you know, that was like one of my biggest celebrations for myself. But once I had the mastectomy and the lat flap, I can't do a push-up um, in the traditional way. Correct. But we so, do a new way, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so finding new ways to do things yes. um, for sure. So, yeah. And then, so is it, um, you know, you said it happened five years ago. So are you, are things okay at this point in terms yeah. of that? And or? I know a lot of us will recall this too. There's always an uncomfortableness in our chest in that area, but it's not something that is unbearable. I work through it and I do what I can and not what I can't. Yeah. Well, and I love that. I love, you know, doing what you can and not what you can't because we tend to focus sometimes too much on the things that we can't do. And then our mind kind of dictates for us, 
you know, you can't do this, you can't do this, we convince ourselves. So I love exactly that you said that. Um, so let's go back and revisit, um, you know, the, the um, self-medication and um, the depression. Um, so the impact that the chemotherapy and the tamoxifen and all of that stuff, gaining the weight, that just kind of, did it take you out of that space of teaching? And It did. Okay. So my story for a whole year was I knew that I was killing myself and destroying my family at that point, and I had to pull myself together. So I took myself to recovery and that was over six years ago now, and I've been sober. And by the grace of God, I've been able to live my dream of opening a woman's studio, and that's been five years, almost five years, and I now help women that have, you know, the same issues of recovering from breast cancer. Um, it's not trying to do stuff so intense, intensely and about weight loss, it's about keeping ourselves super duper healthy in the best way we know how. Right. And so when you were self-medicating, how long was that for you? Like how long was that, um, what was that time frame? So I will say I grew up drinking in a normal social fashion and not realizing how bad it really affected me until once I found out that basically it would knock out my feelings. I would pretty much drink every night to get myself to sleep. And that lasted a period of probably three years. Okay. Yeah. So, and, you know, sometimes it's, kind of the, thinking back into like my own experience and certainly, you know, again, everybody's is different, but the one thing that was very much disrupted in my life was sleep. Um, and it was because of the constant, you know, worrying and what if, and, you know, what is this pain? What is that pain? You know, is this headache normal? Those kind of things. So, um, was it really just kind of shutting out the feelings for you? Yes. It would yeah. knock that Fear away, but of course we know insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, thinking something different. Um, I believe my faith pulled me together, knowing that there was a better way for me. I'm here to share my story and help someone else that maybe be struggling with that same issue right now and knowing that you can also change. Yeah. And was there... Was there any one event or just kind of, what was it that really kind of hit you where you just said, I have to change, like I have to do something different, this isn't serving me, you know, it's hurting my family, it's hurting myself. Was there like an event or was it just, you finally kind of took a step back and saw what was happening? It was my family and my kids. I wanted to be here for them, be here for my grandbabies, set an example for other women. And knowing that if I can change, I know every woman out there can. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing to stop. 
I know a lot of people that have suffered through addiction of different types, um, and it is very much a process and something, you know, sometimes people go for long periods of time and they don't come to that realization, um, you know, and the and the hurt and the pain, you know, not only for themselves, but for their family and their friends. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of, you know, figured things out and just realized, like, I'm just, I'm hurting too many people in this process. And not only them, but also yourself. Um, and so in terms of the recovery, I mean, did you check yourself into a facility? Is that what I did. I checked myself into a facility, and that was in February of 2013. And I did really good on my own until May 20th, 2013, and I slipped one more time and put myself in AA, and I did that for a year, and that got me on the right track. And by the grace of God, again, that's my my whole yeah. world, and I think day by day he keeps me Sober. So how long were you like checked into a facility? I was only in the facility for five days. Okay. And, you know, I thought that was enough. But when I slipped one more time, I knew I needed something more. Right. And so then it wasn't going back to a facility. It was going into, it was going to AA. And then, you know, was that every week? It was that every I went every day for a year. Wow. And then I've always been a really... God believer, and that took over my life. So I, um, which I don't suggest that's for everybody, but I went yeah. out on my own and I've done really well. And I, I serve and pour myself into other people, and that really helps me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's definitely a real struggle, you know, and um, sometimes people can hide it well when they're truly suffering and, you know, when they go home at night, like we don't, we're not in people's homes. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on internally. So, you know, just the fact that you're so willing to share this because it is a a hard topic. Um, You know, I certainly appreciate that. Yes. Um, And so, what would you offer somebody that, you know, maybe they're in that same space, maybe they're really struggling, um, you know, emotionally, whatever it is, and they're, they're kind of in that same mode of self-medicating to kind of take the pain away. Is there any piece of advice you could offer? I believe that no one can change you but yourself. And you have to go deep and know that you are the strong one that can make that decision. People around you can help you, support you, but you are going to be the one that's going to pull yourself up and lift yourself up and make that change. And don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, It's a much better life. I, I don't have to wait. I go to bed at night with peace. I don't have those fears of, am I going to drink tomorrow or what kind of commotion am I going to cause somebody? Um, Is my breast cancer going to come back because I'm making it worse by drinking alcohol? So those fears are gone. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a great piece of advice, you know, that it's, it really has to come from you, you know, that it cannot come from other people telling you what you need to do. Um, You know, you have to really feel it and see it for yourself before taking that step um, you know, and just recognizing, I would think too, that you're not alone. 
you know, that there are so many people out there that, you know, are struggling with self-medicating in whatever form um, due to so many different things. And so there's nothing to be ashamed of and that you're not alone and seeking out help, you know, where to go and, and how to get that. Absolutely. And as women and moms, we have a lot on our plate. And to be diagnosed with an illness or have the addiction or all of the above, to have the strength within you to make that change, you can. And find the right support to get that done, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, you know, exactly what you said. You sometimes have to separate yourself from family or friends who cannot support you in that journey of getting clean. Yeah, surround yourself with people that you want to be like and uplift you. And, you know, another thing about recovery in both breast cancer and addictions is taking care of yourself. I believe with wholeheartedly with the exercise and our emotions, spiritually, physically, if you can move your body every day, that it makes recovery or life that much better. You can get through some tough stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely a big advocate for physical activity. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about um, the gym. I mean, that's, you know, to be able to make that dream come alive, um, where now you are paying it forward um, and helping other people in their recovery. You said you have a lot of breast cancer survivors. So how did that all come about with you deciding to open up your gym? Well, like I said, it's always been a lifelong dream. Uh, I've trained women since I was 15. I started in a really cool women's facility in Colorado. And then I've always worked in a gym, loved how it made me feel, loved how I can watch other women change. And actually, when I came out of recovery, I found a wonderful nutritional system which I think you're familiar yeah. with, and it, it helped me. It, it was putting good stuff in my body where I felt good, and I was ending up able to share that. I call it network marketing, but nothing I was planning on doing. But it really helped me um, financially, a vessel to guide me into opening my own studio where I can help women in awesome. that regard. Yes. Yeah. So are most of your clients or all of your clients women? They are all women. I, I train women... Um, specifically 50 and older, because I feel like that's the age I'm at where I can help. Um, you know, five or six out of my 30 women are breast cancer survivors, so we can relate really well with that. Yeah. Um, and so what are some of the things, um, you know, obviously people sometimes think, oh, you know, age is a factor in terms of what I'm able to do physically. But thinking of like the, the women who are training with you who are breast cancer survivors, what are, are, are there things that you do differently with them? Just kind of knowing, you know, this one had a mastectomy, this one had a latissimus flap procedure, this one had a, um, you know, the abdominal tissue removed, like what kind of things, how do you accommodate for them? Well, I love you asked that, Melissa, because it's called Personally Fit for You. So actually I meet them where they're at with their needs, and we start basic and then work up from there where, where things they thought they couldn't do, they are now doing. So that's pretty rewarding to watch. Absolutely. And we do a lot of stuff. We work on the whole body, strengthening, core, balance, all the major muscle groups, bone strength. You know how chemotherapy yes. can affect our bones, so we want to keep those as strong as possible. 
Right. Yeah. And then also if, you know, somebody's in either medical menopause um, or well, sometimes at 50, I don't know exactly the age that people go into menopause. It's all different. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I, I think it's all different. Mine is medically induced. So, yes, me too. Um, also. Yeah, yeah. So making sure that the bones are strong because we do suffer a lot of times from either osteopenia or um, osteoporosis. So that's, um, that's great. And to have a group of women that we can share family, empty nesters, being a mom, being a grandma, going through addiction, going through breast cancer, that we're all there for each other and we share our stories. So it's yeah. much more than just exercise. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost like a physical activity support group, if you will. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so where could somebody find information? First of all, where are you located? I am located in Mesa okay. at 4210 East Main Street. It's called Personally Fit For You. I'm a very small business, and by the grace of God, again, I haven't marketed. I have a lot of referrals, a lot of um, friends that I've known for a long time that come to me, but we are open for any woman out there that needs our help. It's awesome. a very loving, kind, spiritual environment. Uh, I have a couple trainers with me now, so we're growing, which wow. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the point where you're getting in other trainers yes. <laughs> is awesome. So, um, well, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, you really shared so much great information. And, um, you know, I, I love that you were very open about your struggles, um, you know, in the, the recovery from breast cancer as well as the addiction. I know it's not an easy topic, um, but I have no doubt that somebody out there listening is going to relate to your story and find the strength for them to get through this um, just the same way that you did. So thank you. Thank you. I hope that if anybody's listening that needs my support, reach out and, and I will be there and walk you through the steps. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.